still got one prisoner unaccounted for. Mark Roberts. A daring escape. A cross-country manhunt. No one had seen anything like it. I have. every house, hospital, hotel, back road, and backwater for Mr. Mark J. Roberts. You are listening to Don't Be That Guy, Guide Sequel Remakes. This is episode 349. I'm Mark, he's Mike. Great show, Mark. Yep. See you next week. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Che- Yo, whatever movie's in the title, check it out. Do the, do the outro for the intro. Yeah. <laughs> Get it going. Um... <laughs> Jesus, actually, we just we 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 were having a nice conversation about celebrities endorsing uh, alcohol. Yeah, that seems like a good business model. I remember reading something about this was probably the Nine Inch Nails guy, Trent Rasner, doing opening a winery, and how mm-hmm. it was it, it it's a labor of love because you're, as a rock star or a celebrity, you're gonna invest in a winery, but you're not gonna see the fruits of your labor for years. But now I just think if you're The Rock and this, or Ryan Reynolds, as we said, I think you just slap your name on it and you see that money start rolling in. Yeah, you know, it. It, it's true. Yeah. It's true. I mean, if if I went and was like, hey, I'll start a distillery, we're going to do bourbon, I may not survive until my bourbon's bottled. No. Right? What you do is right as you're about to roll out, you call up somebody, maybe people have seen, seen the episode, maybe you call up Tommy Lee Jones. You say, hey. We're about to go live. We're about to go live. Let's slap your name. Yeah. Let's slap your endorsement on this bourbon. Let's get out there. And he gets checks coming right away. Yeah. Now, there are some, I mean, I don't know how, like, how long does it take to distill tequila or gin? There's some things yeah, that aren't, like, true. in a barrel for 10 years. Right. So, I think something, like, if you're doing something like that, maybe you'd see your product pretty quick. Yeah. I like to think that The Rock, he, he goes down, he went down to Mexico. He picked up the plot of land. He, he hand planted. Hand planted the, the what is it, cactus or whatever they get it from? The agave. Plant. Agave plant. Yeah. Hand planted the agave. Tilled the soil with with, with his own hands. And yeah. then he like he picked out like a breed of tequila worm. Yeah. Do they still do worm and tequila? I don't. know. That was a big thing in, like the eighties. I think they got rid of it for. I think. I think if you want a worm in the tequila, you got to go to Mexico. Yeah. I think there is some sort of importing issue with it. I remember as a child thinking like, oh man, I'm never going to drink because what if you end up with that worm? You get stuck the worm. Yeah. And then, um, though I did walk by the locked cabinet at the liquor superstore the uh, other day, the Walmart of booze, yeah. and there was a tequila that had a scorpion in it. Oh. Scorpion. Yeah. Um, that stings. A little uh, two, three inch long tequila. scorpion. Yeah. I mean, that bottle, that was a $250, $270 bottle of tequila. Uh, I don't I don't like tequila. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd like to try that versus, like, a bottle of... Jose Cuervo? Cuervo? Yeah. Yeah. Something crappy? Or yeah. something something normal, I guess? I don't know. I think Jose Cuervo's crappy. Up there, right? Is it? What's Yeah. The... I don't know. There's... Patron. Patron's the top... Is that tequila? Yeah, Patron's like... That's Patron's like, like rapper status tequila, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not an expensive bottle, but yeah, I think it's a little... But little nice it's top shelf. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Patron would be top shelf. Uh, There's things above that that aren't on shelves. They're in locked glass cases. Yeah. yeah. 
I've always liked tequila, but yeah, it, I mean, anybody tell me that tequila sucks. I don't, I'm not gonna argue with you. But then I, a few years ago, I did find like my mid-level thirty-dollar bottle, you know, twenty-five to thirty-dollar bottle of tequila. I was like, okay, this is good. It's smooth. I can drink this. Stay with it. Yeah. Yeah. Make it your, your normal buy. Yeah. 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 We're just talking. You know, there are some things I'll explore on. I might explore a different bottle of bourbon, maybe uh, maybe a rum. Someone says, "Hey, yeah, try try this new uh, grape rum that's out." <laughs> Maybe I'll try it. Tequila, that's one. I don't I don't need mess around with it. You don't need to tell me there's whipped cream tequila. There's birthday cake tequila. Like, <laughs> I don't want to try it. Just give me whatever Tommy Lee Jones is selling me. That's, that's right. What, that's the tequila I drink. Just, you know, just just a lime tequila. TLJ tequila. Yeah. <laughs> ah, well, making all those cocktails, these these uh, end of summer cocktails. What are you watching? Oh, got some got some movies in here. Um, did a couple rewatches and in, in, in uh, I think actually everything on my list. No, two new movies to me and a bunch of rewatches. So, I uh, watched 2009 Star Wars fanboy fanboy movie called Fanboys. That's being advertised hard to me through like Amazon Prime. Oh, um, the banner keeps showing up. Have you seen it? I saw it in like 2009. Okay, yeah. It holds up. It's fun. Oh. I mean, it is what it is. It's just a uh, fanboy. It's you know, here's a, your Star Wars fan here. Have fun. Yeah, enjoy this movie. It's got a lot of people in it. Jay Baruchel still don't understand why he's not doing more. He yeah, had, he had that show I really liked on FX. I don't mm-hmm. know what happened to it. Man meets woman. Yeah, man meets girl. Yeah, it was like two seasons. I. I felt like they could have kept going. Yeah, I don't know what happened to it, but I like Jay Baruchel. He um, shows up in a Canadian. Letter Caddy, which is in like its 20th season. Oh, yeah. He plays like a uh, alt-right guy. Oh. He's <laughs> funny. He's very funny as like a uh, proud boy. <laughs> but yeah, so watch Fanboys. It held up for me. I enjoyed it. Then I watched uh, 2011, Midnight in Paris. Mm. Owen Wilson, Rachel McAdams. Kind of a historical time travel yeah. uh, movie. Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good movie. Every generation before is that future generation's golden year. Yep. Right? That's what we yep. learned. It's a that's a that's a good that's a good little movie. Another 2011 movie, Moneyball. Yeah. I was like, I'm in a mood for a baseball movie. And I almost started Major League and I almost started Sandlot and I almost started The Natural and I was like, I want a baseball movie that's not about baseball. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh Moneyball. I had a great time watching Moneyball. There's probably a Third time seeing it, it's fun. Yeah, Moneyball's a great movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. It just, it was good. It was like an afternoon. I was just mm-hmm. chilling on the couch. Just a good movie. Having popcorn. When he's eating his popcorn, I'm eating my popcorn. You use out a coffee filter. Yeah. Like he does. Yeah, it, it was good. Yeah, then I watched, oh, this was new to me. 19, this was a Noir Alley selection. Uh, 1954, Drive a Cro- Crooked Road, starring uh, Mickey Rooney. Okay. And I believe it was his first kind of like uh, delve into crime uh, film. Because, you know, Mickey Rooney is just like this slapstick kind of comedy guy. Yeah. His early career. He's the Asian guy from Breakfast at Tiffany's. And, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, Driving Crooked Road is, is okay. Just you kind of pretty standard little noir yeah. thing. Um, 2004, Collateral. Tom Cruise, Jamie Foxx. Every time I logged my HBO Max, so I'm you know it shows your your list. Collateral is the last thing I added to my list, 
And every time I log into HBO Max, there it is. Like, do I am I ready to start Collateral? And I have not, not been, but it's outstanding. Yeah, it's okay. still an outstanding movie. It it, I don't feel like it's like outdated as far. Some of like the like the computer tablet he's using uh-huh. and the cell phones are a little old, but it I think it can it, it continues to to hold up, um. As far as uh, you know, technology and stuff. Uh, Jamie Foxx is pretty good in it. Tom Cruise is. I mean, I don't know if I can name another movie Tom Cruise is a villain in. And I'm I'm a big Tom Cruise fan. Top Gun. I'm Team Iceman. Yeah, I guess he's kind of the villain in that. <laughs> um, I mean, Tropic Thunder maybe he's kind of like a plays he he plays Les Grossman or whatever. He's kind of an asshole. Yeah, I mean, I I really think as far as like bad guy Tom, it's Collateral, and then you probably have to go back to like Interview with a Vampire, right? Just because I mean, if Brad Pitt's yeah. the star, Tom Cruise is the you know. Antagonist, yeah, I guess. I guess so. uh, but yeah. really, he's he's the star, and usually the star of your movie, unless it's Batman or Robin, is the good guy. Yeah, yeah. And then I I kind of thought about after watching Collateral Eyes, like, what do I think of Tom Cruise's gray hair and his gray suit? Yeah. And I know there's the people that are like, ah, it just looks terrible. You know, I remember when it came out, like Tom Cruise is great, but you look dumb. Huh. But I then I started, I Silver Fox, and I so I never hated it. I'm like, it's you know. The hair looks okay. The suit is cool. But then I started thinking about it when I watched it the other day. And I was like, no, that that that's not... I'm getting deep here, Mark. But that, the gray hair and the gray suit is not Vince's real hair and suit. Mm-hmm. That is his hitman's costume. Yeah. Like, that's not real gray hair. He dyed his hair for the job. Yeah. I mean, he's he's learning, he's running around places shooting people up. He's wearing he's got gray hair, gray suit. Mm-hmm. You know, there there isn't really much less descriptive than dude, gray hair, gray suit, right? So I'm starting to think that's part of the character. Like Vince would have been just looking like Tom Cruise, dark hair. I feel like that was a die job bomber he jacket did for his for the job. Yeah, it's a um, it's a choice. It's yeah, it's and an I'm like choice. that's what no, it's not acting. No, it's not an acting it's a, choice. It's a character it's choice. A character choice. It's yeah. what he the character did as a disguise. Yeah. to go do these hits. Oh, yeah. And after I started thinking of it that way, I'm, I I love it even more. Oh, yeah. I, so I haven't seen Collateral in a while. I remember watching it and I liked Collateral when it came out. And I've had it on my queue. I've been meaning to watch it. It's outstanding. You should watch it tonight. Do you like the movie Miami Vice? I don't think I've seen it. Okay. I was going to ask if Collateral was Michael Mann's last last great film. And I went through I was like, oh, he hasn't really done much. Black Hat, I did not like. Public Enemies, I did not like. And then there's Miami Vice. And I only saw it once. I think I remember liking Miami Vice. But then I think I, this was one I let other people sway me of a roommate and some other people being like, Miami Vice sucks. That's not a good movie. I was like, oh, yeah, my, it's probably not. Yeah, my advice, the TV show, is probably like 80s, 80s corn, cornball, and the movie's probably not very good. But I never revisited it. And now I'm wondering, huh. should I revisit Miami Vice, the movie? Yeah, you know, I... We're talking I've about never, like Jamie Foxx. I've and, never seen Miami Vice. I never saw Black Hat. 
What was the other one? Uh, Public Enemies. That's the Johnny Depp, um, Dylan. Oh Miller, yeah, I never yeah. saw that I didn't either. Like it. Um, for some reason, I was trying. I was oh, I was thinking of Enemy of the State. Oh yeah, which That's a great movie. Is a great movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the last thing I saw, we got to the theater and we saw Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Mm. Got you know, I got I, do, I dove into this new Marvel phase. Yeah, um, phase B four and uh, that's a good movie. Phase two point out. Yeah, Shang Chi is a good movie. It's just it's actually kind of more of a kind of more of a martial arts movie than a than a superhero movie. I'm hearing that's the early talks. Is that is it Shang Chi? Shang Chi. Shang Chi. Shang Chi. I hear. I'm hearing. Shang Chi is good. Shang Chi is good. And is it good and, and great because it's a state like it's a character you don't you just go and boom exactly it's an origin story and yeah yeah and um, Simu Liu is in it uh-huh. and you and I know him from Kim's Convenience yeah. big Kim's Convenience fans uh, he he is just a charismatic actor and I think him getting a Marvel role is fantastic oh man uh, that guy's doing the press junket hard you know I watch my YouTube and. Just shows up on everything, and uh, he's a very likable man. He is, yeah. yeah. Uh, great, su- great supporting cast. Um, you know, you got some of your your classic Marvel cameo things. Um, the and I, this is not a spoiler by any means. The 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 and I've told you many times, my top Marvel movie is Doctor Strange. Yeah. Um, Lot, I'm getting excited, Mark, because there's a lot of Doctor Strange tie-in stuff going on. So I'm pretty stoked because I, that was my jam, and I was so disappointed. I've been hearing that in this new phase with like the Loki TV show, Shang-Chi, the upcoming movie, the Spider-Man movie, the one you gotta watch, the one maybe I need to be more familiar with is Doctor Strange, because apparently he's gonna be playing a big role. And he's got this new new movie coming out. It is In, into the multiverse or whatever it's called. It, it Doctor Strange is by far the best Marvel movie, uh, in my opinion, uh, and also the smartest Marvel movie. Yeah. It is such a like a cool thing. Got to watch it. Got to watch it. But yeah, Shang Chi highly recommend it. All right, um, it's a good good big screen movie. Uh, what have you been watching? What you got? What yeah, you got I watched, for me? Yeah, I, I got some rewatch most. Most new stuff. I, I, I get one rewatch. Uh, kind of scrolling through. Wanted something in the background. I watched 2014's Chef, the John Favreau movie. Uh, he buys the food truck. He buys the food truck. Okay. Oh, no. It's, I like the movie. It's a, it's a good movie. It, it's it's nice to look at. The food looks like you watch it and, and you get hungry. And uh, yeah, it's a sweet story. But in this movie, one, John Favreau, his, his, his very supportive ex-wife, played by Sofia Vergara, is pushing it. He gets fired, and he's kind of a dick. He gets fired from his job. His much younger girlfriend, Scarlett Johansson, is like, hey, go follow your dreams. So he gets her blessing. Then his very supportive wife, Sofia Vergara, is also very supportive, flies him out to Florida. Then her ex-husband is the one who gifts him a food truck. And then his best friend quits his job to then work on said food truck. And it's like, hey, you can accomplish anything. <laughs> I think it's the moral of the story. Follow your dreams. Someone will give you stuff. He had a lot of help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had a, he had he had free time to just drive from Miami to, to L.A. to you know bond with his son and uh, but 
It's a good. I like. I like it. It's a good movie. It's, 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 it's. Yeah, the one thing that always stood out for me on that movie was his signature dishes, the Cuban. The sandwich. Cuban sandwich. And yes. That's one of my favorite sandwiches. Oh, I love Cuban. And I've tried many of them in many places, uh, and I, I'd like to try his still. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, as he's making it, it it looks good. Yeah. And you know, I kind of like John Favreau. Is uh, so he's. Twenty fourteen. Iron Man's already a thing. I think Jungle Book's already a thing. Yeah. So he's just a guy. I mean, he's set. He's made. He's a made man for Disney. And it says, I got a passion project. I love food. And I love directing. I'm going to make a movie about me eating food. And I'm going to direct it. And yeah, good for him. Is Favreau the most successful person? In, in history? Yeah. Uh, I, you know I'm hard pressing another more successful. I person. mean, this guy has the cult classic swingers. Is he the most unlikely successful person? Maybe that's a better. Maybe one. that's a better one. He's got the cult classic swingers, yeah. right? That everyone is quoting, but really most people who quote it haven't seen it. No, and that movie's really not that much about. It's not really about <laughs> Vegas that much. And, uh, it's about swing dancing. Right. And <laughs> and um, I do say Vegas baby though. And and then um, you know, your money, baby, your money. Yeah. And then. Um, and then he has like a four or five episode run on on Friends. Yeah. Then he becomes a, a mega director. He gets to play Elon. He gets to play likable Elon Musk. Yeah. In, in Friends, except instead of going to space, he wants to be an MMA fighter. Yeah. So he's got that going for him. He becomes a mega director. Yeah. He can. He, he throws himself into any movie he really wants to be. He can go ahead and make an indie film if he wants. Yeah. I mean, do you get? Does he get credit for? Being the director who starts the the Marvel, you know, the, the most successful movie franchise in history, then I mean, I really feel like his Jungle Book starts off this live action yeah run that Disney's having, and then he gets to be the was he the showrunner or just the director of, of um, the Mandalorian writer showrunner director of yeah and so and then he kicks off that yeah um that all and then you, you just kind of. You know, I don't know if he's if he's at the top of people's. I don't think he's like Jordan Peele, you know, where you hear his name and you go genius. But meanwhile, he's just cranking out. Fran- he's 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 a franchise maker. Hit after hit, yeah. after hit, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Anyway, what else have you been watching? <laughs> <laughs> so watch that. Um, got the Woodstock '99 Peace, Love, and Rage documentary on HBO Max. Uh, it's interesting. It's it's kind of more of a time capsule. Um, I really think in an hour and a half they try to cram a lot in, and you kind of wish with the documentary was a little more singularly focused. So you think it's more of a time capsule versus a um, narrative, right? Like what? I think they keep trying to ask the question: What went wrong with Woodstock? And I wish they would have just picked a lane. Was it like Fighter Fest where you were understaffed, uh, 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 unable to house that many people? Was it a product of? The angry music of the time, the you know Woodstock '69 versus the corn and Limp Biscuits and the, and the angry angst of the '90s. You know they kind of touched on that. It's like, oh, this is post Columbine, post Clinton administration. Both in this, that's interesting. But then it, it just seems like they, they they try to encompass a lot of '90s conversation into an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and you kind of wish because there will be an interesting part that's like ten minutes, and you're like, oh, well, I mean it's a documentary. I want yeah, let's, let's deep dive. This topic, or um, but, but as far as like a time, I mean, I was 
14 at the time. I remember Woodstock, and I remember it was a shit show, but I never really knew what, like, happened. That, you know, essentially, we think... It, it was Fighter Fest, but the musicians showed up. And um, to me, I was just like... I always, always remember saying, oh, yeah, a bunch of people, like, they tore everything down and got covered in mud. That's what I remember about, about that it, back in 1999. So, interesting, you know, if you're, you know... If you want to see what, um... If you want to see what, uh... The offspring look like now. Watch it because that was that was shocking. <laughs> they seem like cool dudes, but I mean, cool dudes, yeah. It's gonna happen to all of us, but it is where we like, especially because they'll show footage of 1990. Like, ah, the offspring, and then cut to the offspring talking right now. It's like, oh man, yeah. I guess people do get old. <laughs> yeah, the offspring are cool dudes. Though. I'm pretty, I'm really into punk rock, and I, I'm, I'm pretty up on. Um... That uh, was Dexter. That's the lead. That guy isn't he like a he's like a PhD and he's like a yeah. Uh, hel- helicopter pilot and yeah, this this pretty multifaceted. Yeah, there's a lot of those kind of guys that you wouldn't think that are like yeah. you're like oh some punk dumb punk rock dropout guy, but they're like really knowledgeable and 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 educated. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Trevor Razner has his uh, his vineyard. Yeah, and is just like scoring most of your popular movies. Yes. Yeah. And one, yeah, one of the most famous, you know, most successful like David producers. Fincher's directing it. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna hear uh, yeah. Trevor Razner. Okay, 2010, I watched the shark movie. This is advertised to me a lot, because I watch a lot of shark movies. I watched The Reef. Uh, it is an Australian film. I did not love it, but let me say something that they do that's very cool. All the shark footage is real shark yeah. footage. So, that's cool. Yeah, I Acting's like, bad. I like The Reef. I like, you like, the, okay. yeah, I like The Reef. I, when I finished, I was like, you know what? Good for them. Had a $100,000 budget, made the most of it. No, that was like an actual production in Australia. That had like a $4 million budget. <laughs> I like the re- the Reef had a sense of uh, urgency to me that really got, kept me going. Yeah. I, I love the cons. I mean, it takes a long time for a shark to show up. I kind of wish they'd get to the point a little faster. But once they're in the Reef, once you're in, it's a cool setup for a movie. Like, you know, you're just... I mean, it's like open water, right? You're just... Yeah. You're out there, except they have a sense of where, where, where to go. go. Yeah. But, yeah, and then every time that guy hogging the goggles goes under there, and it's like, that's yeah, it's an actual, that's, that's a real shark. Yeah. Um, so that's on Amazon Prime. Check that out. Uh, and then one other movie, it's a new movie, 2021, I watched Malignant on HBO Max and uh, in theaters, same day. Um, if you tell me, I, I may not recommend this movie anyway, because if someone said, I hate Malignant, I go, yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. I love Malignant. Okay. Malignant. It's fucking bonkers. It's bananas. You watch the first part, and it's, it's directed by James Wan. James Wan uh, is the guy who brought us Saw, The Conjuring, Insidious. Insidious. I like his horror movies. Uh, I may not you know, necessarily like, like, the, like all the spinoffs he created, but as, as the guy who just created those first entries in these franchises, it's like, this guy can direct horror. And you watch Malignant. And the first part of the movie, you're like, what? What is this? And then you give yourself over to the movie. And there's a third act of this movie that it was the most fun I've had watching a movie. Oh, especially, especially a horror movie. It had like early 90s Wes Craven. Like if anybody like into that uh, Last House on the Left or like sh- the movie I kept coming back to was this movie called Shocker. Not that they share anything like plot wise but just like the feel of yeah, this is it's absurd but he's taking it serious. It's, yep, he came up with an absurd plot and twist, and he just says, but I'm going to expertly, 
direct this for you. Ah, uh, that one is on my list. Yeah, it, but again, I'm, I'm happy you watched it. If someone was like, "No, I hated that movie," I was like, "Yeah, you probably probably." I I um, yeah, I mean, warning, body horror. Yeah, I mean, it's a mix of like it's it's all these genres, but I mean, just have anybody. The, the trailer kind of makes you think it's one type of movie, but yeah, there's there's some there's some body horror in it, cool. so just be, be mindful. But uh, yeah, I I I thought it was awesome. I actually thought about going to go see it in theaters. After watching it on After TV? watching it on HBO Max, I thought, I, I got this Regal Pass. Yeah. And I don't know if, I mean, I want to see Shang-Chi, but should I also just go see Malignant in theaters as well? Um, so, yeah. And that, that's what I watched. Right on. Yeah. Good mix. Mm-hmm. Good mix this week from both of us, I think. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of stuff to chew on. Uh, we watched two other movies in preparation for this week's episode. We watched the... 1998 spinoff sequel to 1993's The Fugitive. We watched U.S. Marshals. Uh, the Fugitive came out in 1993, and directed by Andrew Davis, um, who directed Above the Law, Under Siege, uh, and a uh, Don't Be That Guy entry, A Perfect Murder. Um, and it is the story it's uh, a wrongly convicted of murdering his wife and sentenced to death richard kimball escapes the law in an attempt to find the, her killer and clear his name pursuing them is a team of u.s marshals led by deputy samuel gerard a determined detective who will not rest until kimball is captured as kimball leads the marshals through a series of intricate chases he uncovers the secret behind his wife's death and struggles to expose the killer before he is recaptured or killed uh, stars Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones, Celia Ward, Joe Pantoliano. Uh, did you rewatch? Uh, the F- or I imagine you've seen The Fugitive before. I have seen it before. Yeah. Did you rewatch it in preparation? I did. Yeah. It's uh, streaming currently on HBO, HBO Max, HBO Go, HBO Now. I think all those still exist. They all do. I think. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of The Fugitive? Um, it is a masterclass in film. In my opinion. Hmm. It is a dynamite movie. It is so good. Yeah, can I... Um, I don't... I, was, I watched The Fugitive, and I greatly enjoyed The Fugitive. I knew every beat of The Fugitive, though as I'm watching it, I had this thought, have I ever seen The Fugitive? Or is it just so ingrained through pop culture that I thought I've seen The Fugitive before? That's it. That's a good question, Mark. Yeah. I can't answer that for you. I couldn't tell you how I, I watched... What, as I was watching it, so I know he is roughly convicted. I knew of the train sequence. I knew of the chase in the tunnels and he jumps off the thing. I knew Tommy Lee Jones, you know, I want to look at every hen house, outhouse speech. I, so I knew all the beats, but then it just starts with a murdered wife and you're in it. And as I watch it, I have to say, this is a great film. It, it's a, it's a, yeah. Like a perfect thriller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a... It, it reminds me of like a, a clock. It's just like... Like every second is like important. Nothing... Nothing... I don't know. It's just... To me, it's a perfect movie. There's it's, no... Yeah. It, I mean, there's no fact. It is so good. I don't... I, I mean, you can't cut anything. It's yeah. so excellently paced. Starting with the murder, him being arrested, having these brief flashbacks of the... Instead of just starting the movie the, the night of, them at the party, mm-hmm. kind of the slow get into, even, even if that scene only takes four minutes, they just know, no, we just start with 
you're in the murder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Stars Harrison Ford. He, um, I mean, he, he's Harrison Ford at this point. He's already... Megastar. Uh, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, all that stuff's already out. Tommy Lee Jones, interesting. Tommy Jones, so uh, today's Tommy Jones' uh, birthday. Happy 75th birthday of Tommy Jones. Tommy Jones, to me, being born in 1985, is just Tommy Lee Jones. He's just, yeah, I mean, just lead actor Tommy Jones. But leading up to this, he was more of a, I don't know, character actor Tommy Lee Jones? Yeah, you know, I can't tell you a Tommy Lee Jones movie I saw before this. Uh-huh. I do remember he played McCall in Lonesome Dove. Uh-huh. Um, he's an excellent on-screen cowboy. Uh-huh. Like the Lonesome Dove, uh, that was a miniseries. Um, but I can't tell you what else he did before this. Yeah, so leading up to this, he was in JFK and Under Siege. Uh, Under Siege, also directed by Andy Oh, yeah, Andrew Under Siege, Davis. he's got the vest on. He's uh-huh. like the... The, the hippie rocker yeah. band turns out to be a terrorist. Yeah. yeah. And he's sharing the bad guy role with Gary Busey. Right. They're like co-bad guys. Yeah. Uh, but then after this, he goes on to do The Client, Cobb, and then Men in Black, the, you know, two years later, after 93. And now it's just, yeah, and then that's where I think of Tommy Jones. It's like, yeah, he's just Tommy Jones, yeah. He shows up in Double Jeopardy, of course... He's like just the lead guy because he's yeah. Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. Um, yeah. So, um, written by Jeb Stewart, who also wrote Die Hard and uh, the Two Forty Eight Hours movie. So, kind of has this or already this built-in action pedigree. Yeah. Uh, of this, um, forty-four million dollar budget, gross three hundred sixty-eight million dollars, nominated for seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture. Um, Tommy Lee Jones wins for Best Supporting Actor that year of the Academy Awards. Uh, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes based on 78 reviews. Uh, the critical consensus is exhilarating and intense. This high-impact chase thriller is a model of taut and efficient formula filmmaking and features Harrison Ford at his frantic best. Tagline, a murdered wife, a one-armed man, an obsessed detective, the chase begins. So this this reviewer yeah. is saying that Harrison, Harrison Ford's best performance is from Frantic. Oh, is that what he's telling us here? I thought he's he at his frantic best. I thought he was just saying, yeah, like that's his mood. Is he he can play frantic, but this is the best frantic <laughs> Harrison Ford he can be. Uh, but yeah, maybe he means that the best role Harrison Ford ever played was in the movie Frantic, and he's bringing it back. He's running it back. Yeah. Uh, is it not seen Witness? <laughs> <laughs> that right? The Witness com- com- comes after it now. Witness would be Witness would be after this, right? After ninety three, I think Witness was before this. Yeah. Um, okay, I have a new question. So, okay, you rewatch this, but you've seen it before. Yes. Fond memories of uh, the Fugitive. In all the times you've seen the Fugitive, did you ever think this is a movie that needed a sequel or a remake? <sighs> no, no, it, it never. No, it never. It did, and a little like little side story here is like when this movie was was coming out, my dad was losing his mind, and and all he could tell me about was when I was a kid, I watched the fugitive TV show, the One Armed Man, just he was super stoked for this movie to come out, and so like it was like I mean I think when it came out ninety eight, uh, ninety three, ninety three, yeah, I don't know. We didn't live where there was a movie theater in 93, but I have a feeling my dad went somewhere to, like, he was on a business trip or something, and, like, 
was went to see this in the theater and came back raving about it. It is based and, off a television show. Yeah. And I do wonder, what was the plot of that show? They say exactly it was that. The guy was... Dr. Richard uh-huh. Kimball was wrongly accused, and the whole the, every episode was him trying to find the one-armed man, uh-huh. and the cops are chasing him, and he's making his escape. He's escaping, he's hunting. The, the time, it always, I think of all those shows from that era as like The Incredible Hulk or Mission Impossible, which was that they're episodic, right? Mm-hmm. The episode starts with, like, The Incredible Hulk, the story is, he goes, he's a drifter, he shows up to a new town, he's escaping, you know, uh, apprehension. Goes up to a new town, and of course, every town he shows up to, there's some sort of wrongdoing that needs to be righted, and then the Hulk corrects it, and then he moves on. Is that kind of what the Fugitive was? What would the plot of, like, one episode be? Does Does Richard Kimball have to do the thing where he's in the hospital and he saves that little boy's life? I've never seen a single episode yeah. of it. I just, this is what my dad told me. Like, my dad was, was nuts. I was just looking up how long this ran. Um, and does he ever catch the one-armed man? Four seasons. It, four seasons, final episode was 1967. So that's super old. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't. I don't know if he catches him. Mm. I don't know. Well, America loved this movie, and people love the show too. It's highly rated. People love the show. Mike and I love the movie. Um, I will say, I watched the movie. I knew there was a sequel because I was watching it perhaps for the first time in nineteen or in two thousand twenty-one. And when it ended, I knew there was a sequel. But I had no questions left to be answered. But this is one of the things where I would ask, let's say The Fugitive was a remake and we were reviewing it for the first time. And I would say, does this movie need to be, does this movie need a sequel? If you ask me that question, I would say, yeah, the sequel I want to see is the U.S. Marshall team. So they at least got it that part right where they said, yeah, what is, okay, we're going to make a sequel. This was a huge financial hit. Yeah. What aspect of this can we make a sequel? You can't do more Harrison Ford. Right. That 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 arc is complete. Yeah. Yeah, the I think you're right about that. Uh, like if I had to if, if they told me we are making a sequel of this movie, what do you want it to be? Uh, I would have went with that. I would have went. But after seeing it for the first time, I wasn't like, "Oh, we need more." Though the US Marshall team is so fantastic, um I don't want a sequel. I want Oh, you want to see? A, I want to see. I, I want to see. Uh, what's his name? Bern, what's his name? Bernard Gerard. Gerard. I want to see Gerard forming his dream yeah. team. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want to see. I think if this was nineteen eighty three and we lived in an era we do now where movie stars can just go to television and it's fine. No, like it's not like a step down. Like it might have been in the nineties. It would have been a great right. TV show. Just have Gerard Joey Pants the rest of his team and just it's like you know ho- uh, Homicide or NYPD Blue it's just or Hawaii Five-0 type of deal Hawaii yeah. Five-0 yeah it's just this yeah. team each episode they gotta catch uh, a different fugitive yeah and they have their uh, their great banter and um, I, you know what I liked about that squad is that they were at work they were having fun yeah, yeah they were ca- they were catching uh, catching a fugitive but they kept it light yeah, yeah I mean it that was their job, not their life. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. The scene where uh, they're, they're listening to the audio, and the guy's like, oh, it sounds like an L train. It sounds like a, like an L. And 
Tanya Jones is just what? Ha, ha. What's it between the two trades? And then they break it down. And, but everybody's kind of busting balls, but they're all working still. Yeah. They're all working. And then they figure it out. And then Tanya Jones is like, told you I was an L train. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I was like, I see why we got a U.S. Marshals. Uh, five years later, U.S. Marshals, Tommy Jones returns, um, this time alongside Wesley Snipes and Robert Downey Jr. Uh, his team also returns, Joey, Joey Pantaleone. Um, U.S. Marshals is, uh, in this movie, uh, U.S. Marshals Sam Gerard is accompanying a plane load of convicts from Chicago to New York. The plane crashes spectacularly, and Mark Sheridan escapes. But when diplomatic security agent John Royce is assigned to help Gerard recapture Sheridan, it becomes clear that Sheridan is more than just another murderer. Um, what? Not necessarily. What? What did you think of? Uh, you know, I would totally say what was uh, what was your initial thoughts. But what do you remember about U.S. Marshals? Do, do you have any memories of this movie? Had you seen it before? Did, did you have any expectations going into the rewatch? The two things that I remembered was. Um, I remembered the toilet paper gun thing, uh-huh. and then I remembered Wesley Snipes sitting on the train as it leaves wherever they are and just looking up. That's yeah. the two things I remembered from it. Um, having seen it one time before, probably in 1998 when it came out. Yeah. I... Got this movie confused as we were getting ready to prepare for it. I got a movie with confused with a movie called The Hunt. Okay. Or Hunted with Tommy Lee Jones. And Benicio Del Toro. Benicio Del Toro. Some say spiritual sequel to Rambo. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is not this movie. Right. <laughs> there was not a lot of knife play in this movie that I was expecting. I also do think I, I got some confusion with Passenger 57. Also on a plane. Also on a plane. Also with Wesley Snipes. Oh. And so there were things I was waiting for that didn't happen that I think are in Passenger 57. Uh, planes were bit, you know, and I don't fault you for being confused. Planes were very big in this time frame. Yeah. Con Air comes out the year before. And I feel like the opening um, or that 20 minute stretch, 15 minute stretch of the plane and the plane crash, I think it's a lot of Con Air in there. Yeah, I mean, like, like, okay, we got Con, we had Con Air, uh-huh. we had this movie, we had um, Passenger Fifty Seven, yeah. we had Executive Decision, yep, we had Air Force One, yeah, um, there, that's five, within the era. I, I don't, I can't give you an. Exact I get, I bet years. you that is a four year. Yeah, I can't give you the years, but within the era, yeah, there, there must be another five at least. Oh, yeah. I bet. Um, so there's not. I'll even throw Die Hard Two into this. A lot, of, a lot of plane stuff. I mean, yeah, anything where there's a big set piece on a plane, Die Hard Two, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the whole the last twenty minutes of that movie is all takes place on a plane. Yeah. Um, and, and a good portion of uh, the rest of the movie because they're just circling. Yeah. So I, I liked uh, all those movies too because um, they really. If you've never been on a plane, they really set your expectations higher for what a plane's going to be like, because they got to build on a movie set, and uh, planes don't look like that. And people can walk around freely and yeah. and uh, not trip over people on their way to the bathroom. And oh, there there and there are, there are levels. Yeah. To, to, um, you know, not, yeah. For just 
flights from LA to Chicago. Yeah, or, just uh, just a yeah. Yeah, no, nothing transatlantic, but yeah, yeah. Uh, every plane is just the, the biggest decked out. You know. Yeah, every flight's on a seven eighty seven. Yeah, Supermax. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Okay, U.S. Marshals. So, um, oh, here's a so directed by Stuart Baird. So, so they uh, they sub out Andrew Davis for Stuart Baird. Stuart Baird was coming off of Star Trek Nemesis. He would then go on to direct Executive Decision. Nemesis was good, and Executive Decision was good. I think I looked up Stuart Baird, and I want to say he. Oh no, letterbox servers unavailable. There we go. All right, Stuart Baird. As a director, he directed only those three movies. Wow. He did Nemesis, U.S. Marshals, Executive Decision, and that's it. Huh. Is he still with us? Doesn't say he's dead. He's edited over 20 major motion pictures, so maybe he's just an editor now. Yeah, just kind of got in, didn't enjoy the directing or something. Oh, I mean, guy's an editor on Skyfall, Casino Royale, uh, DBTG, uh, Entry, Tomb Raider. Lethal I Weapon. bet this guy's been nominated for Academy Award for editing. Uh, let's see. We got Die Hard 2, Superman the Movie, and, yeah, The Omen, Demolition Man, Your F- The Last Boy Scout. Oh, yeah! Yeah, my God, this guy's, this guy's working on, guy worked on Outland? Oh, shit. He was an editor for Outland? This guy is a, is a, like, a regular on the show. Yeah. Oh, shoot, Yeah. Outland, Lethal Weapon 2, Die Hard 2, Tomb Raider, and we could easily, if we ever decided to do like a James Bond thing, um, yeah, it has Casino Royale and Skyfall. So, but yeah, man, he just makes his, uh, makes his mark as a, as a editor. Nice. Yeah. Doesn't need to get behind the camera. Yeah. He likes to be in the room. He likes, yeah. he likes to, he likes to put a piece together. He doesn't like to deal with Robert Downey Jr., Showing up late to, to filming, which was the thing in this movie. Uh, that's it. Okay, U.S. Marshals had a forty-five million dollar budget. It grossed one hundred two point four million dollars. Has a twenty-five percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, based on thirty-six critics' reviews. The consensus is a rot, albeit well cast action thriller. U.S. Marshals suffers badly in comparison to the beloved blockbuster that preceded it. And I don't really feel like that gives us a good idea of what this film is. It's hard when you just say, oh, it's not as good as The Fugitive. Yeah. Interesting enough, so I, I just use Rotten Tomato. I feel like that gives us a fair enough baseline to have a conversation. There are other, uh, you know, Metacritic. Cinema score is one that I always see that I, I don't, because that's just all users, you know, and they go and they give it a grade. Uh, this movie, though, they usually fall in line, though. So, you know, if the movie has 25%, you may see on Metacritic, it has, like, uh, you know, a 50 out of 100 uh, yeah. score, and then on CineScore, it'll be like a C plus, maybe. This, interesting, has an A minus on CineScore. So 25% on Rotten Tomato, 40% from the users on Rotten Tomato, but if you go to this other site, A minus movie. That's uh, that's quite the... That's the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Discrepancy there. And then I just like adding this new, because I've been really enjoying... Uh, if, you, if you're a Letterboxd user... This is where I get most of my info. Uh, they put the tagline for the movie right there next to the, you know, in the summary. And so I'm just picking a kick out of these. The cop that won't stop is back. But this time, he's chasing down a lot more than a fugitive. Uh, U.S. Marshals. What worked for you with uh, U.S. Marshals? Uh, the cast, um, especially the Marshall crew. The chemistry there, the banter, fantastic. That, mm. that, that group of actors is awesome. 
uh, so great together. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I kind of feel like after we went, though, they kind of lost some of that. Uh, and maybe it's because the case gets more... It's weird. You know, they're, they're chasing that Kimball. Kimball, in the, in, the, in the Fugitive, he is just a man who murdered his wife. And they need to go catch this guy. And he's not out there causing mayhem. They're just chasing him. I mean, they, he leads them through some, some, some crazy chases. You know, in the ambulance, the foot chases, things like that. But... Maybe because they're chasing down a CIA like special op op guy, and there's like all this murder happening, they they lose some of that they lose some of that fun as the movie goes. Yeah, you know it could be the yeah, the stress the stress a little higher. Yeah, because the plane goes down. Tommy Jones he's he's still he still got it. He still got that Sam Gerard charm. Then the team shows up in what are they Louisiana? Yeah, there's some, there's some sort of swamp going on down there. He gets arrested in Florida, Louisiana, something like that. He gets arrested in Chicago. Yeah, and then he gets transferred to New York. That's where he's being extradited to. But they end up in yeah, what in the backwoods? Where the hell are they? Yeah, is that Pennsylvania? Is there a swamp there? Is that just Amish? Is that is that the Three Rivers that I hear about? I have no idea. That's a good question. Were they picking up more prisoners? Yeah, maybe. Maybe it was some sort of prisoner transfer. I don't know. Movies like Con Air, when they make the sequel or remake to Con Air, we'll we'll get into it. Why do you need to transfer so many prisoners at one time? Yeah. When, when When you extradite a prisoner, I think you just take them on a commercial flight. You just sit them in the back. And it's like, yeah, it's like two marshals and one dude. Yeah, and he sits in the middle. Yeah. Uh, Pastor 57. Yeah. That, the, whole, the whole thing is he's being uh, transferred from one place to another, and he's just on a commercial flight. But, you know, he break, his, team's, his team's there to break him out. And I don't think, I, I'm not convinced any, any uh, prisoner has ever been transferred on an airplane. Oh. My, uh, my father-in-law, he actually, uh, he does a lot of extraditions. And um, he t- t- tells me what to look for. They're always in the back row, and then, yeah, it's, it's like three guys in the back row, and um, they have, like, a special... They don't do the thing where, they, where the guy's the guy's cuffed, but they don't do the thing where they put the jacket over his cuffs. Uh-huh. They have a special jacket, puts his hands in his pocket, and then he's cuffed uh-huh. in between his... his um, so he'll always have his hands in his pocket. He always has his hands in his pocket, mm-hmm. and, and he sits in the middle yeah. between two guys. So they do put him on airplanes. They do put him on airplanes, yeah. Because I'm like, man... The justice system, they're not paying for air flights. Yeah, I think this is more like, uh, you know, you get arrested in uh, Washington, and then but you have warrants in Nevada or And they Florida. need you there in 12 hours. Yeah, now. and so it's like, all right, well, days. well, yeah, we're taking you back to Florida so you can stand trial for crimes you've committed. Yeah. So, yeah, we just put you on an airplane. But especially, you know, I mean, you, you started a Fast and the Furious um, uh, watch, watch through. You can't trust the open road with a prisoner. True. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Washington, Florida, in a in a um, Oldsmobile, in a Crown Vic. If you gotta run off the road. Good point. First stretch of desert. Good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked. Um, yeah, I liked the team. Wesley Snipes. You know, he's an interesting '90s staple. Yeah. And I, I wrote in my notes, Wesley Snipes is okay. Yeah. Like, I, I I wasn't real sympathetic to him, but, like, I like him. It's interesting. In The Fugitive, 
I think we know right away that, and maybe it's because in the in the, in the future, if Harrison Ford, he's just he's a doctor who got wrongfully convicted of murder, um, in a very elaborate plot. Uh, but he's just a guy. That trial scene it runs a lot like Shawshank Redemption, you know, just too much evidence against him. Maybe, maybe he's not the he's not the most sympathetic witness or uh, defendant you can find, but he didn't do anything wrong. In this, Wesley Snipes, I think from the get-go, you're like, there's something up with this guy. Yeah. We don't know what it is. And he's too trained. He's too skilled. So he doesn't get that sympathy of like, oh, I hope he doesn't get caught. I just feel like he's fine. He'll be, yeah, he can handle it. He's fine. And, and is he guilty? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, the first, like, you're kind of like, oh, this tow truck guy. Then all of a sudden he's like, Stealing the, the glasses and getting the little, his lockpick thing. Yeah, he steals the glasses, which I think should have been a cool, like, oh, that's cool. But to me, that's where I mean, go, oh, yeah, no, what's up with this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Seems too, too slick, too yeah. slick in that moment. Um, anything else you like from the U.S. Oh, Marshals? I think Tommy Lee Jones does his thing again. Um, it's a great character for him. Uh, he's good in it. Not as great as in The Fugitive. I don't know. I think that's just due to writing and script. But he's good. And there's some good... There's a little more comedic touches in this in this mm-hmm. one, uh, which I enjoyed. Um, I, I guess I didn't know what to expect. I, I After watching The Fugitive, I know I was not getting a repeat of that. Right. So I just kind of went into it. I... Uh... Yeah, Tommy Jones is, and, and so we talk about nineteen ninety three and how he might have just been kind of more this character actor of the eighties, who then gets the fugitive and then then it's off to the races for him. Uh, so in nineteen ninety eight, he's coming off of Volcano and Men in Black, just the year before, and then does U.S. Marshals and then goes on to be a voice in Small Soldiers, same year, and then Double Jeopardy, and from there he's just you know. Tommy Lee Jones and everything. Yeah. Uh, was his life so interesting? We were talking about he was just kind of a staple in the night. We talked. We were talking about Pastor Fifty Seven. We've done Major League on this. We, you know, uh, guy, guys just he shows up in a lot. White man can't jump. Money train. I just feel like every year there was like a Wesley Snipes movie. The Blades. Yeah. So he's coming off of the Fan and Murder at sixteen hundred right before this, and then the next year, Blade comes out. And in between, I mean, then there was, like, The Art of War. I just felt like every summer, every year, you could count on a Wesley Snipes Big time action star. Movie. Yeah. yeah. It kind of had this, if we go from, like, Arnold, Van Damme, Seagal, we go right into the Snipes era. And it's just, yep, he's our action guy for the 90s. Yeah, um, yeah but this movie, yeah, he, he doesn't have really no personality. There's not... And Wesley Snipes is a very charismatic dude. Yeah. Um, I mean, Willie Mays Hayes, like, he's just, you know, or uh, the, the character, uh, Sidney uh, from uh, When I Can't Jump. The guy just oozes charisma. Yeah, he can play But this, he's yeah. very just like, I don't know, because his character is CRA, or they just didn't, I mean, he has very little lines or anything. He's just, there's not a lot to this guy. Yeah. Uh, a little in the beginning when he's the tow truck driver. And... He gets arrested, and he's just like, I, oh, I've never been to New York. Or, yeah, they're requesting him. He has personality, but then once he's on the run, he's just in, I don't know if he's just in... Uh, secret agent mode. Secret right? agent yeah, mode. Yeah, and maybe. For me, it's just very dull. Yeah. Hey, um, 
Yeah. He's dull, and then he doesn't do karate. No martial arts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why do you have Wesley Snipes if he's not going to be, uh, you know, Pastor 57, always been on black Wesley Snipes, or if you're not going to have him do karate? Yeah. Now he's just a guy. Yeah. Running. Um, what didn't work for you in, pa- uh, I was Pastor 57, in U.S. Marshals? All right. First and foremost, the airplane crash sequence was dumb. It was so stupid. And it went on for a long time. It was so long. It was so stupid. You think it's over? No, it's not. Now they're rolling into a fucking river. Yeah. Come on. That scene, I believe, I mean, that scene, by the time daybreak hits and it cuts to Tommy Jones wrapped in a blanket, we are 30 minutes into this movie. Gosh. That was bad. Robert Downey Jr. was absolutely atrocious in this film. I know it's an early Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. I get it. Terrible decision to put him in this movie. They could have got someone equally unknown. He just it didn't work. It was yeah. terrible. Robert Downey. So that interesting conversation about Robert. Downey, so now we just you just saw something. Robert Downey Jr. most successful box office actor of the last decade. Absolutely, yeah. And so I see. Oh, Robert Downey Jr. is in it. I go through the cast as I'm taking my notes and. I see Robert Downey Jr.'s name, and he's high on the list. I'm like, wow, Robert Downey Jr. Then when I looked at movies before Robert Downey Jr., and then you read into Robert Downey Jr. was kind of this brat pack hanger-on. Like, he he was Michael Anthony Hall's buddy. Yeah. That guy, you know, that's why he was in Johnny Be Good or Hail Caesar or, you know, these other smaller roles of the 80s and 90s. And... It's really not till... I mean, you kind of see some of the thing that Robert Downey Jr., you kind of see some of that Tony Stark, trying the Robert Downey Jr. he brings to such a likable character in Tony Stark, but yeah, it's just... He's for the most part bad yeah. in this. And he was going through substance abuse. Um, he delayed shooting for um, days because he just didn't show up to set. And then would just talk shit about the movie when it was on its way, way out. It was just like, this was an awful movie to be in. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I think he had an arrest shortly after this or right before this. So yeah, he was going through some stress issues. Yeah, yeah. but you're right. I mean, 1998. Oh, gee, I mean, grab any kind of not quite you know just on the cusp guy you could throw him in there. Yeah, just find someone. Yeah, put Corey Feldman in there. Any I don't know. any character actor. Sean Austin. Guy. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like Sean Austin would have been perfect. Yeah. This, he would have been an unassuming villain. Twist villain, you know? Yeah. I mean, okay, 1998. So I'm trying to think of like what would have hit two hour, you know, two, three years later. Hugh Jackman. Just put Hugh Jackman in this movie. <laughs> like, right? He's around. Yeah. Uh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Right. Gladiator is the year later. Two years later. 2000, right? Yeah. Put Russell Crowe in this room. Russell Crowe He's perfect it. as like... But Robert Downey Jr. right away, you know he's a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, as soon as he's introduced, there's not a moment in this movie where I think maybe it's a red herring and he's actually working. And maybe he's actually good. Immediately, it's like, no, nah, this guy, no, nah, something with this guy. Yeah. But yeah, you could have played someone with just. Oh, I think Russell Crowe would have been great. Fresh off of virtuosity, Russell Crowe gets to play the heavy in U.S. Marshals. Yeah. Next to Tommy Lee Jones. Elevates this movie immediately. Yes, absolutely. Bigger too. Top, Robert Downey is so small. 
com- yeah. compared to Tommy. Tommy Jones just looks like a. He looks like a like your dad, like yeah. your grandpa. Like yeah. he just looks like a man strong kind of guy. And Robert Downey Jr. looks so slight compared to him. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Put I like Ut Crow. Let's put let's let's redo this. Re, uh, what do you call it? Deep fake. <laughs> <laughs> 1998 Russell Crowe. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, anything else on the the bad? I mean, it's just a... I, the, you know, the story doesn't really move the plot along and, and the plot's thin. Like, it's just one of these kind of like, I don't know, just t- a tossed together movie. Uh, we got these guys, let's, let's make a movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. The plot is... You know, The Fugitive, if you asked me why he was set up, I would have a hard time kind of explaining it, but I get the gist. You know, essentially, some pharmaceutical company was going to make a lot of money off of something, but Richard Kimball knew knew too much. Why? His wife has to die, and he goes off to prison instead of just killing him. That, you know, probably would have been easier for, for everybody involved, but I, I get it. This one, I really don't know what the plot is. Robert Downey Jr. He's a mole. He's a traitor. He's a yeah. He's the Chinese are involved. He's selling secrets. But he set up Wesley Snipes. But I don't understand what he set Wesley Snipes up for, other than to kill two guys, who were on to Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, and and the only reason Snipes got busted was a car crash. Right. You can't set that up. That was not set up. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, how many years earlier was that? Or was it a year? Did they say what the time frame from the murders to Wesley Snipes being arrested was? Oh, I I thought it was like... I thought he got arrested. They they ran, they found the gun. They ran the gun. They found the prince. No, no. I mean from um, when those two... Oh, from uh, when... Deputy the, or uh, when, what are they called? The when those agents were killed. Yeah. To when he gets in the car wrecks. Oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, but sometime must have passed because he says I'm. He tried to get away to start a normal life. So it was Robert Downey Jr.'s plan to? They were onto him, so he sets up Wesley Snipes, and then plants his fingerprints in hopes that eventually he will just come through the system again. Yeah, even though he's the yeah, best. Exactly, he's the best. I don't know. Operative there is, so he probably had it not been for a freak car accident, which, by the way, I got plenty of time to stop. Yes. He's on a cell phone. We cut to the distance between the two cars. He could just slammed on those brakes. It's di- it was different then, Mark. When you're on your phone <clears throat> in your car then, you have priority. Yeah. <laughs> People need to stop for you. <clears throat> he, had to, he looks, <laughs> cuts to the cars in front of him, cuts back to him. Oh, no! <laughs> and it just... Oh no! Yeah, and then just has to drive through a construction site, and yeah, um, one lane, no traffic control, yeah. no no flagger. I mean, yeah. So you're hoping Wesley Snipes' character goes through the system again, and the re- the only reason he gets anything on him is because he had a gun. Yeah, which I guess is illegal to carry. Yeah, the so, only reason he got even like taken in and got printed is because he had illegal firearm. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess different time, or Chicago's different, but his story checks out. Yeah, he's a tow truck driver. Yeah, absolutely. Guys should be packing heat. You need some protection, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
there was that. Yeah, the plot doesn't um, doesn't really move. The guy who wrote this, uh, John Pogue, so he wrote, also wrote uh, other classics such as The Skulls, Rollerball, the remake, and Ghost Ship. So I think Ghost Ship's good. I think I like The Skulls. That's the, uh, of course, that's Joshua Jackson and uh, Paul, Walker. Paul Walker. I'll tell you this, I don't know if it's good or not, I watch The Skulls a lot. I was probably, you know. Yeah. That was kind of in that, that the MTV era of, you know, thrillers. And Secret Societies are cool, man. Yeah. Secret Societies freaked me out because it's like, you don't, you don't know. You don't know? You don't know who to trust. <laughs> Anybody could be a skull. Uh, it wasn't, I mean, in that part of the plot that it goes all the way up, like. Oh, yeah. Like uh, attorney generals yeah, and, yeah. you know, the pres- president, few former presidents were all members of the society. It's like, yeah, you, just, there's no get, there's no getting out. Yeah. Movies like that used to freak me out. Enemy of the State, as a kid, I just thought that would be, that, that's, that's fucking worse than Jaws. Because you just can't escape it. You, you can't go to the police because, like, being framed for something just seems, I, 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 uh, <gasps> I, I totally understand Mark, uh, what's his name? I want to say Mark Rylance. Mark Sheridan in this. Yeah, you know, I one of my top fears, like my top two fears are sharks uh-huh. and and being arrested and thrown in jail for something I didn't do. <laughs> and we were watching The Fugitive the other night, and I'm like, I watched this when I was in fourth or fifth grade. No wonder that's my fear. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine if you were being chased by a shark because he thought you committed a crime you didn't commit? Try to reason with him. Yeah, man. You you I end can't. up in a, in a tunnel with him, and you say, "I I didn't murder your wife," <laughs> and the shark says, "I don't care." Ah, <laughs> oh, that freaked me out. Uh, this is there anything that this movie? So it's a spin. Is there anything it improves on from the fugitive? No. There's not a thing, Mark. The Fugitive is not a, nearly a perfect movie. And you really think and there should be little things. It could because it centers more on a different, a totally different right. aspect. I mean, there, there was some the the stuff that was the positives for U.S. Marshals was just carryover from the Fugitive. Yeah. So to me, that's not an improvement. Like they carried over the team chemistry, the the U.S. Marshal banter. It's just carryover. Nothing was improved on. It was just like. Brought in, not even elevated, really. Not even I mean, elevated. The, the, the yeah. banter from the team, and, and well, then we kind the, of the sweatsuit was pretty cool. That's pretty funny. The sweatsuit. What was the sweatsuit? John uh, Panaglioni buys him the purple sweatsuit. Oh He's right, like, yes. He owes me eighty five bucks for the sweatsuit, and he he won't wear it. Yeah. But then he ends up having to wear it anyway. Yeah. That was funny. I did like. I really. It, I'm I'm excited for the team up until they get on the fan boats, and then from there. The movie just kind of takes a different, more. Then I think it gets more into like the secret agent stuff, mm. and it can. So from there, it kind of just loses that thing. I mean, when they're looking through the wreckage of the plane, and it's uh, it's uh, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, the woman on the team, and the guy with the mustache, and Robert Downey Jr. is there to observe. Then they go through and they find the pen, and yeah, they just kind of have this like banter back and forth, and you know, oh, that's not a ballpoint, and uh, and then. And you think it was be more of it, and then they're in the um, the food shack, and uh, the guy just grabs a plate of food. He's like, hey, is, this, "Is this free?" As he's eating, he's like, "Ah, county's paid for." It's on the county. Yeah. <laughs> I I just wish there was more of that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it kind of falls apart. So they don't even elevate. It's like, oh, well, let's just center the movie more on this, and they, they don't even elevate. They have that scene in the beginning, which I don't know. If, I think I think I hate. It. I think I didn't like it. The raid on the two brothers in the beginning of the movie. 
I don't think I like that scene. What did you think? Tommy Lee Jones in the chicken suit. I, I like it because I... I Is that Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds? Yes. Okay, I, okay. I liked it uh, because it just kind of like was a light start. It was light, yeah. Um, kind of just totally doesn't fit, but I was on the fence. <laughs> the the wrestling uh, commentary, uh, commentary going on on the TV as they're mm-hmm. fighting with this guy and then, you know, Tommy Jones getting hit with the frying pan, but... Him being in the chicken suit, I just thought it was silly. Where I like the scene, I don't know why. Because again, it also seems silly in the fugitive, where he's like, we're they're drunks and everybody's like in this thing. But then as they're going off the way, they all rip. Yeah, the patch for the patch, so you can see it's a U.S. Marshal. Which, why did you need? I mean, it's a raid. Why? Why? Why did they have to? Go so deep in the uh, Well, I think they were implying that they were like on on surveillance for a while, a while waiting, and, yeah. and then finally it's the go. Yeah. Um, the the chicken. I like the chicken scene. What I don't like about it is uh, Tommy Lee Jones's character is out of character in that he would never gone into the chicken suit on on his own. Yeah. He would have had someone else in the chicken suit. It makes sense. Like he he would have delegated the chicken suit to the kid. Yeah. You know because. That's how they rib on each other. Give the young yes. kid the crap, the, the goofy job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He, he, he's, I mean, he calls his team, you know, his children, his kids. Yeah. Yeah, he, he wouldn't put on the chicken He wouldn't suit. put on a chicken suit. I mean, I liked it, did that. Yeah. And when he pops it off, his Tommy Jones like, yeah, that's hilarious. But he, it's out of character. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a scene that didn't, uh, yeah, didn't quite. I liked everything about it except for Tommy Lee Jones killing that guy at the end of it. Uh, comes around the backside. Yeah. The guy's got. Am I mixing up the two movies? Yeah, who does he? No, yeah, he does. The 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 kid shoots a guy. I think it's just a flashback. Oh, I'm mixing up when the kid loses his hearing in the first movie. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. That's the 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 comment. I'm, I'm I watched them back to back nights. The I'm other fugitive him. grabs the yeah. kid, and Tommy Jones shoots him. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah, that's where. Yeah, and the kid kind of has this like. What are we doing? Kind of moment. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Um, U.S. Marshals, would you like to see a sequel of this movie? Oh, man, I... I like that crew so much. I kind of do. Yeah. I kind of want to see another... I want to see Tommy Jones' crew. And, for good good or bad, I mean, they, they kill the kid, but you don't lose, I mean, to me, the core four. Right. Tommy Jones, the woman... Joey Pants mustache, and I and I think that could be that could be a really cool thing. Is who's the new team member? Yeah, maybe they is like, hey, we need a fifth guy for this, and Tommy Jones refi- refuses to fill that that spot. Yeah, and that's the whole that's the whole thing in the movie. Then finally they find the right guy. I don't know. I still think it'd make a great television show. Would but, be great. Yeah, it would. Oh, be a good CBS, show. my grandma would eat this up. I think that I, I mean, there's not a show called U.S. Marshals, but I'm pretty sure we're talking about every show on CBS. You're right. You're right. The Y five O NCIS. We're talking about all of them. I guess. I guess it's criminal it's, minds. It's a team. They have fun banter. Yeah. 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 I guess I just made want Tommy Jones to, to star in it. He probably did yeah. cast now. I mean, that man just turned thirty five. Happy birthday, Tommy! Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to go go a little younger. Um, we did not plan this. It was a coincidence, and it was just great. I jumped on Twitter this morning, and I always you know I kind of go through my feed, and then I go to um, trending just to see what people are talking about, and it's at Tommy Jones. And anytime you see someone's name, I mean. Sh- 
just yesterday, it was, it was Norm Macdonald. You click yeah. Norm Macdonald, and it's Norm Macdonald dies at yep. 61. And so I see Tommy Jones, I'm like, holy oh, shit, no. are we about to talk about U.S. Marshals, try to have a fun conversation about this silly movie from the 90s that he died? Thank God, 75 years old, still going strong. Crushing it. Yeah. Uh, what's, what, what's the last Tommy Lee Jones movie you remember seeing? Men in Black 3? Is there a fourth one of those? I think there was a fourth. <laughs> I'm not sure he's in it. All right, Tommy Lee Jones... Let's go. Filter. We are going. Newest first. As an actor, he is... Oh, Ad Astra. Ad Astra, yeah. There you go. Shows up at the end of that. Um, before that, let's see. Movie with uh, Morgan Freeman where they look like old guys doing one last hurrah. Bucket list. Just getting started. Oh. Then he was in The Mechanic and Jason Bourne. Um, yeah. Doing stuff. Slow down. Slow down a little bit, but you know, been 75, as, as, as we've said. Um, do you need to see the original to enjoy U.S. Marshals? I don't think you need to. Yeah, because it's more of a, yeah, do you need, uh. I don't think you need to see it. I don't think you need to know what happened in the original. You kind of get the gist of. Yeah. Them, but I do think it makes it more compelling if you have. You get a better version of the team. Yeah. <laughs> um, would you have liked to see in this movie sub-reference to Kimball? No. Tommy Lee Jones gets back to his home in Chicago to get fresh clothes, and there's a postcard from Kimball who's on holiday, you know, just bacheloring it up. I would like to have seen, like, a newspaper go by in the wind and you kind of see Richard Kimball free, <sighs> that kind of thing. But no. I'm actually pleased they did not do a direct, a, a direct like yeah. allusion to the fugitive. I, I that's one of the positives for me is they they just did a straight spinoff, separated it. Yeah. Mm. Never mentioned. This made me think of something I do not like. I, I've now put this in. Okay, what makes an unenjoyable movie? What What are the characters of an unenjoyable movie? A thing I do not enjoy movies that this movie did, that is guilty of, is showing me flashbacks to things I already saw in a movie. I don't think it's necessary. And I feel like you're you're kind of implying that maybe um, your audience isn't that smart. Or now, they went to get popcorn. If you're flashing back to something and then giving us more information that you didn't show us the first time, okay, I'm fine with that. But to simply show, flashback to Tommy Lee Jones seeing the gun and right away... As a guy who's been paying attention for a two-hour movie, I say, oh, shit, it's the same gun. But then flashback to Tommy Jones looking at the gun two days earlier. Especially, this movie... That you didn't need that. Especially, that gun was clearly a silver gun. Yes. It's the only silver gun we see in the whole movie. You're right. That, yeah. That was that was an insult to intelligence of the viewer. Yeah. Hey, you're a gun guy. <laughs> in the raid in the beginning... Joey Pants, Mustache, they they are the guys who are tasked with capturing um, Ogre from, um, you know, the guy in the living room. Uh, it's played by Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. Do they pull their guns and does Mustache drop his clip out of his gun to then put a new clip in? And that's what gives Ogre the opening to then beat them up? Did you catch that? I did not catch that. I swear. I, I don't want to make you rewatch this movie, but rewatch this movie. <laughs> Do they go in, say, U.S. Marshals, and then Mustache, the clip 
falls out of his gun. He reaches into his pocket and puts a new clip in. Like he dropped it to reload or it fell out on accident? I think he drops it to reload because... But he, hasn't ever shot, hasn't shot his gun yet. Exactly. They're, they're just kicking the door down. But... He's just doing cop things. He's just an actor exactly. doing cop things. It must, be, it must have been on purpose because why would Mustache, if it was on accident and it just falls out of the gun, why does Mustache have an extra clip? You know? He shows up for wardrobe. They're like, oh, here's your gun. Here's your vest. Get into character. You know? Unique in New York. Red leather. Yellow leather. But then they would say, hey, here's some extra clips. You know? Yeah, that to me is starting to sound like one of those kind of folly things. Like, um... There was some editing, some things were not used in the movie, and perhaps... There was a shootout. There was a shootout, perhaps, yeah. and then and then that was a goof that, yeah. that was left. That would make sense. Fire, fire, fire. Then they push their way into the room. He then has to reload. That gives Ogre a chance to get up and uh, um, fight those guys. Well, Curious so. what the match on TV was. I heard Macho Man, and but every time they cut, cut into the television, it was Diamond Dallas Page. So it must have been in this era where DDP and Macho Man were having their their great uh, feud in WCW. I imagine the Diamond Cutter Man. Yeah, I love that finisher. Uh, would you like to see Joey Pants hit, hit it on Ogre? Yeah, that'd yeah. be cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about a remake of this movie or The Fugitive? Do you think they should ever remake The Fugitive? Are you surprised they haven't? I'm surprised they haven't. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're coming up on twenty years. So. I wouldn't. If they remade the Fugitive, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like ah, why, why would you do that? Yeah, I, I love the movie. It's a fantastic movie. But if they wanted to remake it, I'd give it a shot. I would be interested more because it's based on a television show. Make it a show, or make it a miniseries, because then, then now you take off the pressure of having to remake this beloved movie, ninety six percent on Rotten Tomato, seven Academy Awards. Now you say, oh, no, no, we're not remaking Harrison Ford. We're remaking the television show. But it's the one-armed man. It's and that, and that would work. And, and, and I think given the, the current, you know, environment of, of TV, like a good example of that, not really a remake, but kind of along the same lines is Jack Ryan. Yeah. We got, the, you know, there's there's plenty of Jack Ryan movies in, in the Tom Clancy-verse. But, like, Amazon's like, we're doing a Jack Ryan TV show. Amazon should make... A fugitive TV show. Yeah. I think it'd be cool. Yeah, the fugitive. Yeah, yeah. Um, who's uh, you, get, you get the guy who was in uh, Solo as the new Harrison Ford? Hmm. What's that? Who's that guy? I uh, enjoyed Solo. Not really. Can't remember the kid's name. Yeah, not not huge on that guy. Yeah. Um. And then uh, U.S. Marshals. You know, I, you're right. It is just NCIS. So, yeah, probably, yeah, probably don't need a remake uh, of that. Um, if you had to watch one of these again, which one are you watch it first? Fugitive, yeah, Fugitive. Yeah, Fugitive just it um uh, it kicks ass. Yeah, it, it it's not aged at all, really. No. I mean, it's badass. There's some '90s stuff in it, but it doesn't feel dated. It, it looks good. I'm so confused by movies. We, we we do these a lot, and I understand budget and everything. Um, but the budgets are almost the same. I understand it's five years later. Why does the Fugitive look so much better than U.S. Marshals? It, is that just direct directing choice? Like you maybe don't have as skilled as a director 
to make things look as slick and as nice as Maybe. it did in could, 1993. Could even be the cinematographer. Right. And it, yeah. yeah, this movie looked, just does not look as, as slick as, and, as 1993. And the backwoods swamp stuff, I mean, it, it, it could be they were on like one little 10 acre thing and they're yeah. shooting at all these different angles to try to make it look like they're in this massive swamp. Everything shot in the day where yeah. the future of a lot of that stuff takes place at night. True, yeah. It's a little more forgiving. Then there's just like these interesting like Dutch angles that they, they choose to use and it just, yeah, just not, not not as nice as The Fugitive. And uh, I mean, that train se- sequence in The Fugitive is, yeah, that's still very exciting. Yeah. The plane scene in this one is, as you said, it's, it's just a drag. Yeah. It goes on for a long time. Yeah, it just seems a little more lower rent. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, same budget, but they spent so much money on the plane crash that they didn't have enough yeah. money for for the rest of it. Um, and then finally, U.S. Marshals, did we need it? No, I don't think we needed it. I think it's watchable. I think it's forgettable. I, I you know, and Tommy Jones and Wesley Snipes, I don't think they, they're helped by this movie. I think we still get Blade the following year. That Wesley's, you know, this, this didn't launch Wesley Snipes. This was just kind of a bad choice in his uh, his his '90s run. And yeah, yeah I, I definitely would. I mean, it's not. I wouldn't put it on for a Tommy Lee Jones movie. I wouldn't put it on for a Wesley Snipes movie. I wouldn't put it on for a thriller movie. Certainly about, not a Robert Downey Jr. What movie. about a Pantaleone movie? Ooh man, let's. I, I mean, top four. True. Probably put on Bad Boys 1 first. Uh, He's like the sergeant in Bad Boys, yeah. right? Yeah. He's the sergeant. Uh, Matrix, right? You, you gotta have uh, the early Joy Pants in that. Um, man, he... I mean, Fugitive, I, even, I think Joy, Joey Pants gets more to do in The Fugitive than he does in this one. Yeah. So, yeah, if I put Fugitive on, for if I want to strictly... Joey, Joey Pantoliano uh, movie. I'm probably going Fugitive over this. Let's just top Joey Pant movies. Matrix, obviously very popular. Yeah, Letterbox popularity. Memento, very good movie. I don't know if that's a great Joey Pants. It's not what I like Joey Pants for, which is him. Almost seems like he's on the verge of like a heart attack. Yeah, on a heart attack, kind of. Wisecracking. Wisecracking, though. Yeah. Busting balls. Yeah. But also, you know, uh, Goonies, I forget. He's one of the brothers. Yeah. Uh, the Fugitive, Bad Boys, Bad Boys for Life, Bad Boys 2. Interesting that Bad Boys and Bad Boys for Life more popular than Bad Boys 2. Uh, and then Daredevil, Empire of Sun, Bound. Oh, I just saw him in Midnight Run. Loved him in Midnight Run as the uh, as the bondsman. Yeah, I forgot he's in that because he's doing a lot of yelling at uh, Robert De Niro in that wisecracking way. That's what I like him doing. Uh, Congo, of course, yeah, forget he's in Congo. U.S. Marshals, La Bamba. Is there a scene where he has to wisecrackly yell at Richie Valens? I don't know. Uh, I don't remember that movie. Yeah, I've seen it a long time ago. Long, yeah, long been a while. Ago. All I remember is. Uh, Buddy Holly says Richie Valens that hey man rock stars don't die in plane crashes and no bigger lies probably have been told <laughs> yeah US Marshals it's 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 not it's not great even for this era of like movies where like sometimes you just in the mood you know for like 
Like, okay, I get that these movies aren't great, but I'm interested in the move like a 90s action thriller. I wouldn't turn to this one. No. For, you know, there's other kind of... There's other... What's the type of movies that fall in this category that I'd much rather watch? I'd and, rather and watch Passenger 57. Yeah. Because I love that movie. Have fun. I'd rather watch Drop Zone than yeah. this movie. Yeah. Remember Drop Zone? Yeah, I do. It's Point Break with, with yes. parachutes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there's some guys there. Yeah. If you have thoughts on U.S. Marshal, you want to let us know. If, uh, if, if you like U.S. Marshal, if you're one of the people on C- Cinema Score who gave it an A minus, let us know. Yeah. Can, uh, Let us know the merits we're missing. Yeah, right? People seem to like this. Even on Letterboxd, as I was going through Letterboxd, it's sitting at a uh, it's sitting at a three, you know, pretty average. But a lot of these reviews, you know, they just start with um, a lot of the action, great moments, good laughs, uh, noticeable step down, but still, like, an enjoyable movie. And I just, I didn't... Uh, you know, someone says right here, it's a dad movie, like Under Siege, Assassins, or Executive Decision, and I don't know Assassins, but Under Siege and Executive, I'd much rather watch those two movies than Assassins this movie. Assassins had, um... Was oh, that Stallone and, Stallone um... and, um, Antonio Banderas? Antonio Banderas. Okay, I have seen that. All yeah. I remember that movie is Antonio Banderas, uh, that was the first time I think I've seen someone break their thumb to get out of handcuffs. Mm. Yeah, so that happens on Assassins. You know, you know how to get out. Oh, yeah. Well, now you know you get the stem of a pair of glasses. Do you think that's why sunglasses now kind of have thicker stems? Yeah. A lot, that's more in the... Yeah, it's now. a federal thing. <laughs> yeah. No one wears the wire. So what was the, what was the Rotten Tomatoes again? 25. See, that's low. I think that's low. Uh-huh. I, I would say that this movie's a 40 to 50 for me. I think it's watchable, but... Yeah. Unmemorable. I haven't rated it. 25%. I mean, if we're talking about a s- system out of five, I mean, you're talking about... Was that a one and a half star? One, yeah, one, yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's better. I, I, I do agree. It's probably a two, two and a half star movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a fifty percent. That's what I'd say too. Yeah. yeah. Um. But it's kind of, it's kind of forgettable. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of over it as we're talking about. It, I forget how it ends. What were they doing on the ship? <laughs> uh, I don't remember. They just got to the ship. It had something to do with the Chinese. Yeah. They just got to the ship. And they have that, that fist fight in uh, in, the, in the grain, grain, uh, yeah, which is uh, a fight on, a, on in grain is always cool. Oh yeah, you're sinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tommy Jones, hold this up. Uh, also, quite clearly, not Tommy Jones. <laughs> in that fight, I don't think I was. I don't think I was Wesley Snipes. Probably. Not. I think those were just two stuntmen going at it. <laughs> so they're showing us way too much of that. Uh, the uh, the stunt Wesley Snipes does where he swings on the rope and lands on the train, uh, you always love these because they're practical, but I also understand, man, green screen seemed much safer that uh, stuntman actually did that landed, and landed on the train. Wow, that was cool. Yeah, uh, and because of the setup of the thing where he had to land on a train, no net, no no padding, no net, he just, he just had to do that. And uh, yeah, they, I was reading, it was like a four-week setup for the shot, and I mean, the last seven seconds to do it wow yeah you appreciate stuntmen stuntmen should be an award stunts should be an award in the academy it awards. should yeah, yeah we should we should be able to see best stunts and i don't have shouldn't have turned into spike tv awards to see it um <laughs> <laughs> there's some awesome ones um yeah she get their credit yeah um email us dvdgpodcast gmail.com find us on facebook find us on twitter 
Instagram, uh, rate, review, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, all the places you get podcasts. Um, yeah, that'll do it for this week. We'll be back next week with another movie. Until then, it's been Don't Be That Guy, can, Guy, to see one. Can, before we end, yeah. can, can, I, can I tell you and the listeners about a dream I had? Sure. I wanted to do this beginning, but I literally forgot. So, Mark and I, we're always chatting about what movie we're going to watch, and right. it, it can be stressful at times when we're, we're not coming up with things, or like, I haven't heard from Mark, or I haven't reached out to him with an idea, and I had this dream, and I, th- I think it was last night. I don't usually remember my dreams, but I remember this one. I think it was last night, because I knew we were doing the show today, and so I had this dream that we were trying to come up with something to watch, and you called me or text me and you're like hey do you remember that in the 90s uh that like tv special called planet earth do you remember this no this was a real thing so there was it was like the late 90s 2000s it's called planet earth it was like on discovery something this huge like natural nature science thing i think discovery did oh okay yes and each episode would be like so they do like one like the sahara right the arctic yeah yeah so you're like do you remember planet earth and i was like yeah i remember planet earth what's this have to do with the podcast and he's like well, they came out with Planet Earth 2. And I think they actually... I think there is a Planet Earth 2. It makes sense. I yeah. think there is. And and I'm just like, what is he talking about? And you're like, no, let's do Planet Earth 2. It's on, like, HBO. And I'm like, okay, if you say so. So then it was like, sometimes I'm, I'm squeezing in time and I'm trying to get movies watched. Yeah. And it was like, Tuesday night, I had to get the movie watch. We were podcasting the next day, get some notes down on it. And I'm like, all right, let's watch Planet Earth or two and I'm like Mark says it's 14 hours I'm like yeah so Mark's like we're watching Planet Earth 2 I'm like okay so I go to HBO or whatever streaming and I I sit down and I bring up Planet Earth 2 I'm thinking well Mark Mark's stoked on this so it's gotta be like can't be more than a couple hours and I see it and it's 16 hours long and I just that was the end of the dream oh wow I just thought that was that I just that was the end of the dream you have like back to school dreams or work dreams about the podcast we do yeah yeah. I just thought it was damn funny we should uh, you know, let the <laughs> listeners peek back the curtain. We were originally going to do, we weren't going to do U.S. Marshals. No. We were going to do Jumanji in the next level. And I think you and I were both kind of excited because we both said the same thing. We don't have to watch two movies that week. Right. We just have to watch one because we had movie. just done Jumanji. And we both enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. So we were yeah. ready for, for more Kevin Hart. And Tuesday, neither one of us had, we, we taped these on a Wednesday. Tuesday rolls around. I get ready to rent it. It is unavailable to rent anywhere. And, um, yeah, so we had to pull an audible last minute and, and push this back a week so we can get two two <laughs> two hour and 15 minute movies in. Yeah. Um, one of them was good. One was so, good. One was... It can be stressful, especially, I mean, you know, we, we do these bi-weekly, but there are times where we let a week go by before we actually pick a movie. Yeah. And then it's like, do we have to get two in? Um, is it available to, you know, can I stream this? Am I renting it? Um... Yeah, there, there's a lot that goes into it. But, moral of the story, that's why you should own physical media. Because you never know. <laughs> if you want if you want to watch Jumanji the next level, you got to own it. Otherwise, you can't see it. That's true. Or you got to buy it digitally. So, yep. Uh, which, you know, that's a lot. I'm not going to spend $14 on a movie. Yeah, like sometimes I'll see a rental and it's $3.99 or buy it for $4.99. I'm like, I'll just buy it. I yeah, guess, there are, there are a few. Dollar. Keep them in my digital light because I'm flying on a plane and I need to yeah. buy a movie. But. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So if you ever have ideas for uh, sequels, you can uh, email the show. I know. Uh, I know there are some that people say stuff on Twitter. I go, yeah, we haven't done that one yet. That's usually my response to it. Uh, I should write those down. 
the guy told us to do Rocky 2. We should probably do Rocky 2. Yeah, we should do Rocky 2. Yeah. Um, but it's also, it's a it's a tough road to go down because then then you feel like, do we need to do 3? Do we need to do 4? You know? Yeah. And that's why I think there are some series we have stayed away from. For the longest time, we stayed away from Terminator. Yeah. And I think, one, because T2, you know, is an epic movie, you know? But then also, then you got this new elephant in the room, which is eight more Terminator movies. Right. That, How do you tie those into the conversation? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. A lot goes on. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, find out what we do next week. Until uh, then, it's been Don't Be That Guy, Guide to Sequel Remakes. All right. Let's get the show started. <laughs> what do you intend to do? Catch him.